Good Monday morning and welcome to Connect, the California MBA's weekly podcast featuring one-on-one interviews with movers and shakers in the mortgage industry. I'm Dustin Hobbs, Communications Director here at the California MBA, and we're continuing our June focus on the capital and secondary markets uh, in uh, in particular this month. Uh, we've, got, we've had some great guests uh, so far this month. We've got another great one uh, this morning, and I want to uh, get in the conversation with them here in just a second. But before we do that, let's thank our sponsors over at Accelerate. So if you're looking to close out more loans in 2021, it's high time, if you haven't already, to experience Accelerate's award-winning customer engagement platform that features lead management, CRM, call routing, sales enablement, marketing automation, borrower engagement, and data intelligence through innovative use of multi-channel marketing. That's text, social media, email, direct mail, phone, ringless voicemail, retargeting, and much, much more. And as we always say, make sure to follow Josh Friend on LinkedIn. He's got a lot of great content. He's on virtually every every webinar, it seems like. And the industry is a very busy guy, but a lot of great uh, informative content that he puts out on LinkedIn. So behooves you to check that out. And if you would like to schedule a personal demo of Incelerate, go to Incelerate.com and you can do that there. Uh, one quick note I'll uh, mention, if you're interested in attending our Western Secondary, it will be in person again this year. Uh, it's a it's a great uh, great conference, uh, one of the uh, bigger regional uh, secondary events in the industry in the industry in the country, and it's going to be in person again this year, August 24th through the 26th at Dana Point in California. So uh, and registration is now open. We've been, had registration open for about a week or so now, and uh, make sure and go to WesternSecondary.com. You can check out information there on registering actually and sponsorship as well. And our early bird uh, um, discount will go on for about another three weeks or so. So if you're interested in the conference, westernsecondary.com, check that out and uh, register now. All right, let's get into the conversation. I'm excited to welcome back to the program uh, Carl Tyree. Carl is a chief sales officer at ArchMI. Arch is uh, one of uh, California MBA's President's Council sponsors this year. So we're particularly grateful and thankful for their support. So Carl, welcome. Thanks. Happy to be here again. Yeah, point. yeah. Well, for those who missed the uh, missed last year's uh, um, episode that uh, you were a guest on, or maybe don't know you very well, uh, tell us a little bit about your about your background, how you got in the industry, and what led you to uh, where you're at there at Arch. Uh, sure. Well, I guess I'll I'll start with how I ended up in the business, and it was a college internship. I actually went to work for a small bank near the university I attended, and there was an internship program, and I. Uh, got in the mortgage department and from that point on I, I kind of fell in love with the housing side of it uh, it's actually one of the things i love to see at arch we have actually a really robust internship program and they just started june one and it's a great way to get experience and get a you know a feel for what you might like about a particular business so uh off and running i went and i uh, spent a little bit of time as a loan officer and then went to work for another mortgage insurance company that did not make it through the financial crisis and spent a little bit of time at an investment bank called Nomura Securities. Uh, a little bit of time at Aquin Financial involved with MSRs and ARP portfolios. And then was one of the uh, the first couple salespeople to uh, to join Arch in its infancy stages. And that's Great. what got me here. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like you've had a, a pretty uh, uh, 
uh, I should say, uh, holistic uh, view of the industry, having you know been on uh, you know several different fronts. There is that. Uh, do you think that's you know, certainly benefited you in your in your current role now? You can actually speak the loan officer lingo. You can speak. You know, you're talking about MSR issues. You can talk about that in particular. I, I mean, that's got to be a big benefit for you. Yeah, it definitely helps. Uh, there's no doubt about it. But I think, like a lot of people in this business, there's some amount of a journey to it all, and a lot of us get a chance to touch on a lot of different pieces and. Certainly, my past certainly helps frame uh, the context in which I view things. Uh, yeah, well, you've got you're one of the few who can say that. Uh, you know, most people say, "Well, I kind of fell into the industry by accident." You actually took an internship. It sounds like it. You know, and uh, pointed your pointed your uh, you know your arrow in the in the direction of the industry from the start. So, you know, hats off to you. You're one of the few people who can say that. Yeah. Thanks. So let's let's uh, take a look here at this uh, the last year uh, during the uh, during the pandemic and the refi boom, everything that's gone on this last year. What's been your biggest takeaway, whether it's, you know, uh, or in your biggest lesson maybe you've learned, whether that's professional or, or personal? You know, I think I would have to say in times of uh, it felt like a crisis in the be in the beginning. But let's just say times of stress, which might be the best way to think about the last 16 months or so. Uh, one of the things I took away is the absolute importance to, to communicate. And if you're not sure, over-communicate rather than under-communicate. We took roughly 830 people remote. Now, a large portion of sales, not my sales operations team, but a, a large portion of sales is, was already remote. But it still took, you know, there's a couple bumps along the way. I thought we did a really good job of transitioning to remote work. But it was absolutely key to communicate what was occurring and how we were seeing things unfold. So what I would say is whether personal or professional, quite frankly, is just the the abundance of communication is key. Yeah, well, I have to imagine that had to be a, a big impact in, I mean, like you said, you, you got over 800 employees that went uh, virtual or were already virtual at that point. I mean, was the communication had to be key in keeping the culture of the company together, you know, during the time where you're not, you know, collaborating in the office together? Yeah, and I, I think the uh, the acceleration of using video conferencing, like the one we're on today, that was a very infrequent occurrence, you know, prior to the pandemic. And even if you tried to do one, half the people couldn't get on, half the people didn't have the right app. And and the pandemic forced people to do that. And now video conferencing, you know, I look at my iPad or my phone, and I think I have apps for about six or seven different tools. And you don't mind pivoting from one to another. So. I think the video piece helped with the culture piece a lot. Um, but one thing I will say, and we see it now as we're kind of coming, you know, the lights at the end of the tunnel, we're coming out of the tunnel, people yearn for face-to-face -face engagement. That's why I'm really excited about the Western Secondary that the CMBA is doing in person. That's huge. And I look at how quick we had to scramble to get our rooms. And I think it'll be really well attended both by customers and vendors. So uh, hats off to you guys for pulling off the in-person event. Yeah, yeah, we're really excited about it as well. I mean, I'm not, I'm not the most, uh, you know, outgoing social person, but and so I, I have to, I think about it. And I'm like, I'm even been craving the, uh, the in-person experience. Sure. And I can't imagine how the, uh, the, you know, conference veterans who really dig and get into the, the uh, in-person and, and personal uh, interactions. I can't imagine how they've survived the last year. They must be going nuts waiting for the in-person events to come back. We were. Yeah. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, you know, changing topics here a bit. Um, so we've got somewhat of a, a, a new administration in Washington right now. 
I mean, they've, you know, uh, President Biden's been in office now for uh, several months. We're past that 100-day 100 100-day 100 mark now. Um, so, from your perspective, how have the capital markets responded to the impact of the new administration? It, it's hard to say there's been much of an effect on capital markets from a new administration standpoint. And, and the reason I say that is I think you still feel the effects of the older one. And the reason is because you still have Calabria as the head of FHFA, right? And there's been a lot of policy decisions, whether it's the last 60 or 90 days. Um, and I think that's where you see a lot of the effects on capital markets, specifically around second homes, investor properties, um, and the limitation of those being sold through the agencies. So what I would say is you're really feeling still the effects of the previous administration as much as the new one. Interesting. Interesting. So it sounds like there's more of a... Uh... A, uh, um, a lagging effect or what the you know new policies, I mean, I guess that's part of that is the, the time it takes to create these new policies or shift gears. It's not, uh, there's no turning on a dime in these giant regulatory agencies. So what about uh, MI uh, markets in particular? What's going on in uh, that sector of the industry that we should know about? Um, well, I would say it's a very much a bullish outlook now. I mean, you've got past the COVID time period and what you're seeing now is the industry in the aggregate is a continual decline in delinquencies. And you've seen that month over month for a while. You see people coming out of forbearance agreements. And even many of the people that entered forbearance early on ended up staying current for, through with their mortgage through the entire period. So in a time of uncertainty when forbearance was offered, some have argued that a lot of people took it as a strategic play in case they lost their job. It was essentially a job hedge. I don't know what's going to happen at work, and here I'm able to forbear my payments. Um, that's one uh, kind of um, theory that's out there. And certainly it seems that there are some loans that fall in that category with an overwhelming amount of forbearing loans, at least in our book of business, that ended up continuing to make their payments. So for the MI industry in, in aggregate, you're seeing delinquencies come down. You're seeing the MIs able to execute their secondary transactions, which are reinsurance agreements and the issuance of what's called insurance link notes or ILNs. Um, so superior use of capital um, and a bright side on delinquencies and probably a little bit of pricing coming down because of that. And that's kind of the overall story right now. Gotcha. So what about, uh, what about Arch in particular? What's uh... How is the company you know, working with lenders right now to navigate the, the environment, especially as we transition from this you know, refi boom that seems to be on the wane and a, you know, transition back to a more purchase dominated market? Yeah, for sure. So you know, on that point, I would say you know, a lot of listening is the market changes and the market seems to be changing pretty fast. You kind of hit on a couple of them where you see the refinances going away. There's a robust purchase market out there with not a robust supply of homes. And so as we've read and as we've all heard, there's a lot of, um, a lot of intensity around the home buying purchase. And what we've spent a lot of time doing is really working with lenders on individual transactions and how MI can provide the most flexibility to buy a home. And in many of those cases where you're paying over the, con or not over the contract price, <laughs> over the list price, and ultimately over the appraised price, you know, how do you use those down payment resources that a borrower has 
to maximize their ability to get in the home they want, even if they have to go over the list and appraised price, and still end up with a reasonable payment. And so, you know, that's kind of commonly referred to as an appraisal gap strategy. And we've spent a lot of time with our clients on those. And, and more recently, I, we see our training webinars being very well attended. And I think people are, after the heyday of the business in such an intense amount of volume, people are going back and refreshing some of their educational points and we're happy to help them do that. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think, I mean, we saw it and uh, I think a lot of uh, other groups in the industry saw it that during the last year, I mean, webinar attendance kind of went down as people just didn't have time. But now that things are, are cooling off a bit and people are going you know, to start investing back in, them, in themselves and in professional development and kind of, you know, finding out uh, now that the dust is settling a bit, what's the next, what are the strategies for the next, the next wave of, of uh, uh, volume? And, yeah, you know, yeah. to that end, you know, what, you know, with the changes that we're seeing right now, how are secondary strategies shifting for the next, you know, maybe 12, 24 months? You know, I would say coming out of the, or in the middle, in the, the early stages of the pandemic, it really created very much a service retained environment. And you saw a lot of disruption in this, in the buying and selling of MSRs. And you saw individual companies with increased gain on sale, able to book the MSR on their balance sheet and retain it. So I think there's a lot more uh, agency sellers that might have four, five, six, maybe even $8 billion of servicing on their books that might have never even held servicing before um, or held very small amounts of it. And so I think what you'll see moving forward as you know that terrible term margin compression comes back, right? And there's less gain on sale and the ability to make um, a, a decent amount of income away from the MSR dissipates you'll likely see more people move to a, a service release strategy, probably a lot more co-issue deals or maybe some bulk MSR deals, as a lot of those sellers and originators are just simply gonna need that cash to, to get through the transaction. Yeah, that makes sense. So let's uh, maybe switch gears here a bit. Um, what about the non-agency market? What do you see happening here in the next you know, year or two? It appears set to grow quite a bit. You know, I used to make a joke about non-agency that it was, a, a, you know, it was an inch deep and a mile wide, right? Everybody talked about it, but there wasn't a lot of depth. And I think we saw in the pandemic, the non-agency MBS market dry up pretty quick. And some folks had to stop locking loans or stop taking locks and conduits. And, but when you think about it in context of what's happened with FHFA and kind of the pushing out of the investor properties and to some extent, the second homes, um, you and you've got all these this home price appreciation kind of up 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 right. Um, you're getting a lot of prime jumbo business as well, so it appears to see a decent amount of money lining up uh, for the non-agency space. And I think I just recently read, um, you know, Angel Oak was getting ready to fund a, a mortgage REIT, and it looks like they were going to raise a considerable amount of money. And I've seen it in some other places, so um, I, I see it pretty robust non-agency market going forward you know how long that lasts and do the agencies under a new administration or a new leadership i should say right should they pivot back into those products that's that's hard for hard to predict but as it stands now it, it seems like there's more product for the non-agency conduits to uh, chase do you see that uh, 
any opportunity for new players to come into that market or is there you know in a sense not enough time and too high of a bar to you know enter the market at this point in the cycle uh, no not at all i don't think there's that i don't think there's a huge bar to enter that that business i do think to be successful at it you've got to have um, expertise in capital management you've got to have a really thought out disposition strategy when it comes to, you know, what are you going to do if the non-agency MBS market isn't there? Where are you going to hold all the loans? Can you fin finance them? Can you keep them on your books if you have to? Um, you know, what's your funding mechanisms to do that? And how successful are you with the investors that actually buy the securities if you do become an issuer? So I do think there's, there's room. There's still a lot of expertise out there and people that can enter the space. And generally speaking, the story for housing looks very bright for the, the near term and the midterm. And I think you'll see a lot of private capital attracted to it, to the space. Yeah, that makes sense. So uh, we've got time for just maybe one or two more questions here. Um, I always like asking this question. I think it's interesting to hear people's takes on this. What, is, what from your perspective, what's one of the most you know, underappreciated economic indicators that maybe people don't uh, keep an eye on, but they should? Underappreciated. I'm not sure this one's underappreciated, but I think it is the single most important one, which is what is the what is the, the percentage of real wage growth, right? Mm -hmm. And I think about that right now in context of is it keeping pace with this really strong home price appreciation market, and what does that mean to affordability? And I, I think we've been very lucky that there's not been a lot of products developed that put borrowers in in a bad position and i think we saw some of those products kind of at their full strength in 05 and 06 and maybe a little bit of 07. i don't think that's been the case i think there's a lot an overwhelmingly huge majority of loans are done in a very responsible way um, but i'm watching the wage growth thing because at some point in time the down payments are pretty large and we help with that and we're happy to do that but you still have to make the monthly payment and larger monthly payments are going to require uh, more wage growth. So that's the one I like to watch more than anything else. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. And that's certainly not one that you necessarily see, you know, in the headlines or on the chirons on cable news when uh, they're talking about, you know, the latest economic news. So that's, that's a good one to keep an eye on for sure. Um, so as we close out here, um, again, as we, as I mentioned at the outset, uh, Arch is a, a big uh, sponsor of the California MBA, a longtime supporter of the association and, you know, in the industry as a whole. So from your perspective, why is it crucial for uh, the industry to support the advocacy and grassroots efforts of groups like the California MBA and the National MBA? You know, I, I would say there's probably two pieces to that. One is it's absolutely critical that you're educated and informed in the industry that you are in. And the best place to get that information is your local or national MBA, right? And I think a lot of people, politics is local, but uh, understanding very specific the market you're in and, and the policies that are being formed around it. Uh, I think the other piece is, and we touched on a new administration and, and what that might mean and the policies that come with it. As new policies come in, it's important that you're supporting people that advocate on behalf of your livelihood and your business. And, you know, I think the CMBA does a phenomenal job of that. I think uh, Bob Brooksman and the MBA, they do a great job at the national level as well, but they can only do so much without the support of, of all industry participants. 
And so that to me is probably the single, the two biggest reasons people absolutely need to be involved. Yeah, you know, great message, great message, Carl. Well, hey, thanks again for joining us on uh, Connect. Really appreciated uh, seeing you. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that uh, we'll see you here in a few months in August in uh, Dana Point at the Western Secondary, right? Absolutely. It's great talking to you. And I agree. I'm looking forward to seeing you in person as well. All righty. Well, if you enjoyed the conversation here, make sure and subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. You can also catch us on, uh, on Spotify on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. And we'll be back again next week for another episode of Connect. We'll see you then. Here we go.